shop with your fave cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. Cuzzy, do you want to know what I Googled last week? French press coffee? No, but oh, I love French press coffee. I, I was don't hoping you'd tell my... me what the what the go is with French press coffee. How does it differ from, say, American press coffee? What's the oh, French I... element to it? Oh, my gosh. I don't know, and that's a shame because this is called the double shot. But basically you buy grounded coffee beans and you put them at the bottom of the, the Duvalaki, which is called the French press. It's called the French press. Okay. And you, okay. you, boil it, you put boiling water in there and you <laughs> swizzle it around and then you fill it all the way up and then you plunge it down so you get all the coffee bits out and then you filter it out. I don't know why, but I'm like addicted to the taste now more so than a, than a $6 coffee from my local. And if, if I was to have a French press coffee, what am I going to notice on that first sip? Is it um, stronger? <laughs> Is it more bitter? Is it sweet? What, what, what's, it a, what's the experience going to be? Because I'll oh, have well. one. I will have one. If you endorse well, it this highly, well, I've well. got to have one. I'm pretty sure I've actually talked about it on the pod before, but it depends on the beans, cuz. It depends on the beans. Personally, I like a, uh, a sweet Arabica type of number. Um, no, but I like to buy organic coffee from my local down the road, Jasper. Little plug for for Jasper. They've got organic and they've got the best beans. So it just depends what you're into. Some people love bitter coffee. I just can't. I can't get my head around that. And if dad, anyone had dad. any doubts as to where you're from, then that little monologue right there gives them proof that you live in Melbourne, right there. Live That's in Melbourne. something you don't hear outside of Melbourne. That kind of coffee snobbiness that you've just put on the pod. Well, maybe, or am I just taking it back to basics? Because if you you might want to envision a bit of a blend fifty one number because that's sort of like what my beans look like going into the French press Duvalaki. Okay, so Just saying. getting back to it, what did you Google if it wasn't French press? Okay, so I go to spin class, absolutely love it. Some days I just like my brain it goes off into its own like just thinking route, and you know maybe it's because my Oxygen levels have gone through the roof. I'm trying to trying to breathe in and forget where I am, so it doesn't hurt. And I was thinking, what other str- people are in? Like, there's emphatically smart people in this world, and I bet you someone has written just some of the strangest thesis thesi. Is that the plural for thesis that we've ever heard of? I know your wife Hannah's probably okay, written. Yeah, no, she's probably strangest, written about strangest thesi. I'm not sure if that's a word, but let's go with it. Plural, plural of thesis. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you land? So there's really, really bizarre, bizarre thesis that thesi. Is that the plural though? I feel stupid just saying that. that I've Do woodpeckers get headaches? <laughs> there's a thesis on that. Yes, somebody's actually written a thesis on it. No, I haven't read the thesis or, or even the summary. I just like knowing what the actual thesis is about. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because okay. they're whacking their head against the tree all day. How yeah. could they not have a headache? Right, so somebody has thought, I've got to look into this and put a thesis together. <laughs> what? With all of my spare time. Well, there you go. Um, which can jump higher, the dog flea or the cat flea? Whoa, love to know the summary and findings there. And this is the weirdest one ever, probably not entirely appropriate but not really off chart. Ovulation, a lap dancer's secret weapon. 
lap dancer's secret weapon? There's a thesis or, you know, to investigate, yeah. I'd say the woodpecker <laughs> one's got me most curious. <laughs> hey, and there's so many more than that, but your wife has written many reports, exposés, if you yeah. will. Yeah. If, like, could you come up with something really random just off the top of your head, just a random thesis? Could I come up with one that Han yeah. might have written or, or just a no, random one? No, just a random one, knowing... Look, I couldn't, but what I, what, I, what I did do is I, when I knew this was going to be on the sheet, I thought, what have I Googled this week? And I went back through my, uh, uh, my history and probably the most random thing I'd Googled <laughs> this week was I Googled T.I. You know T.I., the, um, the singer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I was I curious what he's doing these all. days. And um, <laughs> Matt, T.I.'s been in a bit of trouble. <laughs> I, did not, <laughs> I did not keep up with pop culture. T.I. has... Uh, He's got himself in a bit of trouble. I, mine was just innocent. It came on the radio and I thought, what, T.I.? I wonder, like, has he done an album recently? You know, what's he up to? Check it out. Googled yeah. it and, uh, yeah, he's found himself on the wrong side of the uh, the law, T.I. Anyway, <laughs> that was the most random thing I Googled this week, I think. Well, I, I also saw Magic Mike last night and I thought, wonder well, how tall Channing Tatum is, you know, if we were to be together. <laughs> uh all right, so, uh, Alex, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the, I guess you call it the basics of uh, property, uh, of investing full stop, talking about sure. putting together a deposit, your budget, cash flow, all that sort of thing. I thought maybe I'd, I'd put something on the table today, which is when you got to buy your place. Now, let's, mm. you know, it could be your own place. It could be a, an investment. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we can give our tips uh, and, and, and first-hand experiences when it comes to buying a place. How would you approach it? If someone said to you, hey, I'm about to buy or I want to buy, what yeah. should I do to give myself the best chance to, to find it a, a good experience, something that at the end of it I, I feel I've done pretty well at? Well, I mean, I'd take this through a bit of a step-by-step because um, and maybe you can... Floor's you yours. Can, Floor's you yours, chip, step one. You can chip in, chip in. Honestly, honestly, this is a very Alex answer, but step one, you got to get out there and you got to get cushy with the agents. You got to get cushy with them. I'm not saying speak to them on the phone. To, I'm saying go out and meet them. And yes, obviously, that starts from your realestate.coms and your, your domains. But like, get out there, go have a look, see how, you know, open homes work, get to know the agents. I would say most people have got an idea, right, of where they want to live suburb-wise. And usually mm. the same agents sort of float around those suburbs and they, they dominate those areas. I honestly think you got to get cushy with them because people want to help people that they like and that they have gotten to know. So, you know, it really could help you when it comes down to the fine line. But also if the agents get to know what you want, they might come to you before market, when they've got something that they think, hey, I, I've actually, you've told me your criteria and I think this could be the perfect house for you. That is step one. I think, I, yeah, gonna... I, I would say I, I agree and I think to complement that, go to a bunch of open homes, um, even yeah. auctions, if you've got auctions near you. Uh, they're obviously where you would find agents, but uh, also I think it gives you a good idea of, you know, what the market's doing, um, you know, what what... You know, what, what can you get for what price? Um, you know, what, what are you going to be up for to get something that you want? Mm. Um, which probably leads to, to kind of the next step, I, I'd imagine, in, in your list, which is around, you know, what you can do and afford to do. Step 
two, you have to know your financial capacity. (laughs) Know your limits. Know your freaking limits. And honestly, if you're buying with your significant other, you need to know your absolute limit, but you also got to sit down and decide, all right, where do we really want to, where's our sweet spot? Where do we want to purchase? You know, do we want to leave a little bit for negotiation or, you know, for whatever else we've got in life? You have to know your limits. And, and I would say, honestly, go to a broker. I know you and I are like, we are like the broker's ambassadors, really, aren't we? But seriously, they're they're so valuable because they can look at multiple banks for you rather than you going straight to the bank you've got your savings plan with, uh, your saving um, account, sorry, and them giving you one answer, um, which may or may not help you. So you've got to know your limit and you've got to know where your sweet spot is as as step two before you start looking seriously. There's two parts to that too, isn't there? There's not just, you know, what you can borrow but there's also what you've got to put in. I think most people mm-hmm. think, oh, it's just as simple as, you know, a 10% or 20% deposit. You've got yeah. costs. Um, you've got to have a buffer for, for you know, if, if things, interest rates go up or, you know, if, if something happens. So brokers are often really good at stepping you through. Uh, they, they know this stuff off the back of their, their, their uh, hand. So they're able to sort of step you through, well, this is what I think you can borrow. This is how much you'd have to put in. And and then you just really know what you can and can't do, which then helps when you are looking at properties. Totally. And if you're a first home buyer, which I thought I'd just throw in here, but if you're a first home buyer or, um, you know, maybe you're not, but there could be some kind of concessions available to you, depending on the market at the time and depending on what product you're looking at. And mm. if you're not sure of it, you might be able to ask your broker um, or, you know, do a bit of Google searching and whatnot, but that might also help you with your deposit and your costs. Okay, so we know the market now. We know what we can do. We do. What's next? Step three. I mean, I dare say it's time. It's time it's to. Time. It's time to step it up. <laughs> it's time to step it up. It's like put the sniffer on for the dream home. But, or, or let's say you've already found it. But I'm gonna say, in my experience, you still have to keep the emotion at bay. It's easier said than done, but, you know, sometimes you've got to, you know, trust in the universe that you will or you won't get the one that's meant for you. You've got to keep the emotion a a bit at bay, don't you, Kaz? I think you do. I think you do. I think um, keeping the emotion at bay, but also I think um, if you've done step one and two pretty well, step three, you know, you sort of know what you can and can't do. You know your limits. So when, when you are starting to talk terms, you know, once you've found the home, the price, the settlement time frame, all that, you should have a pretty good idea of what you can and can't do and what is and isn't fair. Um, what's next? Is, is it another step to make the offer? Because eventually we're going to have to make an offer, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying there's a bit of work that goes in before the offer, you know. But, I mean, honestly, I'd put my next step. Where are we? Where are we at? Step four. Um, if you found the dream home, let's just assume in this scenario you found it. You found the one. You're trying to keep the emotion at bay and you know you can afford it. Find out, and hopefully you're pretty cushy with the agents, per my advice, find out what the seller's motivation is. And usually that'll be like consistent conversation, a bit of back and forth with the buyers. But, you know, why are they selling? Um, you know, is it is it something that can pay, perhaps uh, you can play ball with so that your offer that you're about to put in, by the way, 
gets accepted? You know, are they selling out of necessity? Are they moving overseas? Are they downsizing? What do they want? And besides price being obviously the, the face value, terms in your offer, i.e. how quickly you settle, um, whether you've got a finance clause, whether you sign unconditional, how big your deposit is, these can all be really meaty terms. You can maybe find out through what the motivation of the seller is to put into your offer. Over to you, Cuz. Uh, well, then you've got to make the offer. And I think you and I are on the same page here. There is, I think agents will often try and get you to just flick them an email or, or, or give them a verbal and I'll oh, get some feedback for you. Yes. I find that is the agent's number one trick to try and get you Ooh. to pay more. So Ooh. my personal experience, something that's always worked for me and, and people that I know is to put it on a contract. Don't make oh. an offer. Yeah. Put it on a contract. It just shows, number one, that you're serious, um, but also I find it then makes it a bit more real for the seller that, hey, I've got a contract here. This yeah. person might be putting contracts on other things as well, yeah. so I've got to make the most of this opportunity in front of me. And I just find that you can you can get down to business a bit quicker, particularly <laughs> if you are, you know, if you've done that, that step that you've just talked about, the, the step four, pretty well. Mm. You should have a pretty good idea of what you could get away with uh, and what the, the seller might think is fair, fair and reasonable and accept. I love that. Get down to business. But so true. When you actually put an offer in on a contract, it is it is a legal offer. You've actually said you've, you've backed yourself into what you are willing to put forward. Now, you've got to be prepared, though, to compromise and enter a bit of a negotiation because, as we know, negotiation means compromise. So, you know, yep. best foot forward, put in a meaty offer, something that you're comfortable with but is maybe relatively bullish based on what you know, um, and be prepared to compromise. Now, it's kind of be totally personal as to what you compromise. You know, is it a higher deposit? Do they want you to pay more? Do they want you to settle sooner? Just be prepared to compromise and open communication. Call that call that agent that you're allegedly cushy with. Call him or her on the daily. Just call him back and forth, back and forth. Get My done. number one rule when it comes to buying is you will always think you paid too much. That's just, <laughs> it's human so nature. You will always think you've paid too much if you're in that position and you've, you've just closed the deal and, and you're about mm. to go subject to finance or go to settlement and you're thinking, oh, I've paid a little bit too much, don't worry. We all think that in time you realise that you actually did the exact right thing. And, yep. and in all honesty, $10,000, to even $20,000 in the grand scheme of things is nothing, nothing when you're probably going to mm. own the home for, for at least 10 years. Um you'll find that it is chump change in the grand scheme of things. I couldn't tell you how many of my <laughs> friends, I, it would be more than two hands who yeah. have thanked me, um, you know, because, you know, it's like when you're in the industry, people call you all the time, oh, I'm thinking about buying this, I'm, this is what they're doing, what do you think? And yeah, yeah. I've always said, look, could you afford to go another five or ten? Yeah, yeah, I, could, I can, you know, I've got the, the ability. Well, do it. If you really like it, do it. And mm. almost all of them have called me back and said, oh, I'm so glad you told me that. Like I would feel like an absolute yeah. idiot if I didn't go that little bit higher yeah. uh, and missed out on it. Well, the other thing too, Cuz, is like, you know, if, you, if you're going to be moving into your, I'm saying dream home, but your own home to live in, it's probably going to be for quite some time. I think the average person lives in their home seven years. So, you know, you're like you don't need to be worrying too much if that you're overpaying because you're going to be living in it for a long time. It gives you a place to live, you know. Look, and, and step one and step two still hold, you know, don't pay too much 
within the scheme Absolutely. of what's going on in the market. Don't yeah. go beyond what you're capable of doing. But I just think everyone thinks they've paid a smidge too much when, when they buy. <laughs> so don't worry, that's, that's normal. Better than missing out completely, isn't it? The good, the bad, the bullshit. Oh, my God, we swear on this podcast now. New stinger. No, I swear all the time. How good. New stinger alert. Ah, oh, JB, high five. It's so good to have you in here. Um, all right, so the good, the bad and the bullshit. I mean, this is a, a cool little segment that we've got now where, you know, we love to talk about, I guess, news headlines and sometimes rip them apart, usually the bad ones or the bullshit. But... And this was actually earlier on in the year, Cats, but you found a great article and you unpacked it on one of our client webinars and I thought this is a great one to talk about on the double shot. Run us through it. Yeah, I thought it was good. It's good and bad. Um, you know, I, th- I think the bad sometimes oh. is we overemphasise or the media overemphasises um, house price data. And the, the problem, problem with house price data is it's, it's not – really apples with apples. It, it has a place, um, don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, the, the thing that probably has more value from my perspective is is apples with apples. You know, an example would be if if I own a house in a certain area, I'm looking at, mm-hmm. well, what are properties in that area selling for right now compared to three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago? Um, and I'm j- I just find often that's a different picture to what you're hearing in the media, uh, particularly at the moment, you know, you're hearing real doomsday stuff in the media, whereas I, I just don't think we're seeing that in a lot of places around Australia. Mm. And uh, I guess, the, you know, I thought this article was a great way of illustrating uh, just that, you know, comparing an apple with an apple. And it is ultimately the difference between real estate and property, which most people don't don't quite know the difference between the two. Um, median house price in Brisbane, I'll use Brisbane because it's my backyard, $110,000 okay, okay. in 1990. Uh, today, the median house price is about seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Got it. Pretty unreal. Within what's that? Thirty, just over thirty years. Like, don't get me wrong. Yep. Awesome. Good data. Go property. Uh, that's property prices. But if you if you actually look at an apple with an apple, what what were you buying oh. in um, nineteen ninety for one hundred and ten thousand dollars? Well, I went and found it. I went and found. I did a search online. And in July okay. 1990, I found a house that sold for $110,000. Uh, it was about 10 k's from the Brisbane CBD, a suburb called Kedron. Uh, you're buying a 600-square-metre block of land with a four-bedroom home, right? Okay. Today, that property is worth how much do you think? More or less than $780,000. Uh, than the median? Oh, I, I mean, you, you, you've, more, well, you've got knowledge, but... Yeah, yeah, More. that's right. How much was the how much was the blocker? So big was it? Six hundred square meters. Had a four bedroom Ooh, home. She's a beauty. She's a beauty. Oh, I think we're nudging nine hundred nine hundred thousand dollars. I think it is over the median. Same house sold. Right. Uh, I think it was like October twenty twenty two. So yeah, okay. near enough to today. For one point oh two five million dollars. Smoking. Smoking. But the really cool part and and the really interesting part from my perspective is in the same street, a block of land, just a block of land, it was like a cleared block of land on 600 square metres, sold for a million dollars. So it's pretty much because the house is more than 30 years old. So literally the land 
is the part that grew in value. And that that right there is the difference between real estate and property. Real estate, the real part, the land, property yes. is the land yes. and everything on top of that land. Um, you know, apples, uh, apples and oranges. Oh, I like it. And, and look, a, a conflicting statement, the difference between property and real estate. But when you unpack it like that with a great story, it's, it's a little bit good, it's a little bit bad, and there's a little bit of bullshit in that news article. But So it was a bit of all, hit all nodes there. But, look, this is a classic story why uh, we and, our, and the business that we run, we hang so much importance on land. Land is the commodity. You just can't make any more of it. That is the real estate. Uh, it's the true asset that grows in value, and that's because as our population grows, we want land, and, and land allows us to create density over time as well. So... A great story. People always say to me, what do you think property prices will do in 10, 20 years' time? And it really is a guessing game because, you know, the, the thing that you ought to focus on more is what will real estate prices do? Because I think the way we use land will change significantly in the next 10, 20 years. It's the, it's the only way we'll be able to keep housing affordable right. is we've got to change the way yep. we use land. And, and you and I have been fortunate enough to go to America where they've already confronted this problem 10, 20 years ago. 100 square metre blocks of land are pretty common over there these days. Yep, um, yep. That's Australia in 10, 20 years' time. You know, it's interesting, and I'll end on this note, but we talk about shrinkflation in, in terms of chocolates, ice creams, lollies, True. where you pay the same but it's actually smaller. Land is actually exactly the same. We're all trying to solve the affordability, and that's by making things smaller so that they are of an affordable price. So that is shrinkflation. There you go. Land ain't no different. All right, Kazi, what are we talking about next? Come on, hit me with it. I wanted to ask you about goals. Do you set goals first and foremost? goals! Do you set goals and, you know, what role do goals play in in your everyday life, um, be it, you know, your your career, be it your, um, you know, investing? Well, where do goals sit for you? Yeah, uh, I, I do set goals probably less aggressively than I, I used to um, and and that's just being absolutely honest. I'm probably less aggressively than I used to. Just maybe where I'm at in my life, I've sort of stepped back a, a little bit and, and I've got sort of maybe smaller goals, little ones, um, rather than big audacious ones uh, that I have previously had. Uh, but I will get back to that uh, again. Um, but, yeah, goals for me is something that I, I like to do at the start of the year, but I also like to remind myself that I don't need a new year, I don't need a new month, I don't need a new week to introduce a new goal to my life. You know, and I think that's a really important thing to state. We don't need tomorrow. Uh, we need now. That's all right. Start goals. But, yes, goals give us direction. And you and producer Nick actually introduced this new acronym, SMART Goals, to me. You taught me something. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? Uh, and you for all, some I reason I can believe that. that I taught you something for some reason. But uh, no. <laughs> I, I can also believe it. I can also believe it. But, I mean, like SMART goals, run us through the acronym because it is, it's is—it's a great place to start with the topic yep. of goals, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, be, before that, um, I personally, goals aren't for everyone. But sorry, I, I, I didn't even ask you. I'm so sorry. No, I was just going to say, goals aren't for everyone. So I'm, I'm, I'm conscious that some listeners might say, oh, I've, I've tried it, it doesn't work. So 
Humorous, uh, you know, I've found them to be incredibly important um, in just giving me direction, um, you know, yeah. and, and motivation, but but more so direction just in terms yep. of why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, you know, That's why, right. what, you know, when, and when you, you're faced with decisions, I think it gives you clarity um, because it either, it either works and takes you closer to the goals or it doesn't. That's and, right. Uh, you know, make some of those harder decisions, bigger decisions, a little bit easier to, to chart your way through. Um, I think they're hard to they're hard to come up with though. I agree with you. You shouldn't sort of I'm not big on the New Year's resolutions. I think goals should just go in there yeah. when, whenever the the sort of you know the the thought and motivation comes in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Inspiration. That's right. I struggled with it. Uh, wrote about it in Bulletproof Investing. Um, just how how I really struggled with it because I'd been taught through school, university to sort of you know to think um, you know really. Um, from a process point of view, not not really creatively. Whereas you've got to use the creative side of your brain to, to come mm. up with goals. Because um, oftentimes you think about things that aren't possible today. So your yeah. rational brain is is saying, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't 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 aim for that. You can't yeah. you can't do that. You know, you want to buy a house somewhere. Um, you know, in a in a you know really nice suburb or something. Mate, you don't earn enough money to do that. That can't be a goal. Like that's what your rash, rational side of the brain does. Um, so maybe, um, you know, before we get to the smart, what I've, what I found works really well is to, I, I get two pieces of paper, just A3 if I can. Yeah. Uh, and whether it it's a list, I don't think it matters if it's a list or I, I choose to use like the, the mind map bubbles. Um, things I want, things I don't want, and then put a time Ooh. frame on it. So I'm 32. I'd start with things James wants when he's 42, things James doesn't want. Um, and I find those absolutes in terms of what you do and don't want because yeah. often they complement. Um, and, you know, you'll have bubbles um, to do with, not, you know, you might have like investing or wealth bubbles, mm. but you mm. might have health bubbles, you know, things yeah. to do with your health, things to do with your family, um, things to do with your career. Um, things to do with your friends, um, your community, um, other other things that give you joy and and, and purpose, um, and then I, I find it's it's very powerful if you can get those things on a piece of paper and and really start to think, you know, beyond what's possible, and and even sort of take it a step further to say what would just be totally unbelievable if I yeah. was forty two and and this was yeah what was happening to me absolutely. Um, and then, yes, you sort of then break it down. Once you've got those big picture goals, you then put them into smaller, more achievable goals using the SMART methodology. I didn't come up with it, nor did Nico. It's, it's been around for years and years, um, decades even, um, but it's, it's specific. So make them specific, you know, where yeah. you, you, it either happens or it doesn't. Make it measurable. Uh, make it um, achievable. So it's going to be something. That bu- bugs me a bit, but anyway. Yeah, so no, you, know, you, might, you might have like a... a um, a big goal that's not achievable today. So break it down into smaller goals that are. Totally. That's the achievable part. Um, the R, you might have to remind me. I know that T <laughs> is the time. Relevant. time the relevant. So you've got to relevant. make them relevant. Things that are actually mean <laughs> something to you. Um, because if they don't mean something to you, then, yeah, then, yeah. then uh, you know, you're not going to probably want to do anything about it. That's right. And then time. Always put a time frame on it because it makes yeah. it real. I couldn't agree more. And and I, I just want you to run us through, like, why do you use the mind mapping methodology as opposed to list? Because I know a lot of people do the list. 
for me, the mind map works because they're all linked. Like I find things that, that you want to do from a wealth point of view, it's often motivated by your family or, or your health, um, you know, or your career. So, so they're all linked. So the bubbles and, and the mind map works for me because I can link them all in because, you know, one, one relates to the other, um, yeah. you know, because you don't, you don't just have, you know, um, goals in silos and isolation. They're, they're often, they're, motivated by multiple reasons. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you want to, your own home debt free, um, you know, it's, yes, it's, it's a wealth goal. It's a, it's an yeah. investing type, type goal. Um, but it's normally motivated by your family, um, by your health, not wanting to have to stress. So they're all linked. Mm. And I think the mind mapping from, from what you and I have talked about before, it helps you unlock that creative side of your brain where you're not putting things in a list format. You're kind of just letting it free flow when you put in the first bubble, you know, like you said, um, personal, and then you go on there from, you know, your own home and then it kind of just links on and links and it helps you become creative and, you know, maybe that helps you sort of unlock what you really want and then connecting sort of a, a why back to that or or working back from the mind map that you've got in front of you and actually going, all right, why do I want to own my own home? Is it because mum and dad said I should or is it because of X, Y and X? And you can sort of link back to that very first bubble and go, oh, well, well you know, it's because it's important for me to, uh, you know, have a family and, and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I think uh, that's that's been really interesting to unpack with with you and and my dad as well as he's massive on goals and everything starts with goals. I get smashed at the start of every year. What what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Um, and and I even I even made a note here. We printed uh, custodian our our day jobs. <laughs> we do have those. Um, a like thousands of these goal work booklets. Uh, and I've still got a lot in the archives. So I wanted to put it out on the pod and say, if you would like a goal work booklet posted to you in hard copy form, I will send you one. Or if the people would like to access it, access it immediately, they're probably best tapping into your bulletproof goal setting uh, soft copy. No? Yeah, there's a goal goals workbook firm. Like it's just there to download. Don't Free uh, on bulletproofinvesting.com.au. <laughs> it's just there. Print it off. It's just Go there for, it. for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So I think that pretty much is, is goals. I think they're important. I think you you can break them down into small little bite sizes, put numbers to them and, and maybe even set yourself some time limits. But my favourite saying of all time, and I've probably said it on here before, comes from Tony Robbins and he says, we grossly overestimate what we can achieve in one year and we significantly underestimate what we can achieve in 10 years. Hopefully I spat that out correctly. But it's so true. Look back at the last 10 years of what you've done and think to yourself, holy holy shit, I've done that in 10 years. It's going to be the same in another 10 years. So goals are important for sure. Good note to wrap it up on. Plenty of things for us to Google out of today's episode, by the way. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.